Well, good evening. Good to see each one here tonight. Good crowd for a Sunday night. Praise the Lord for that. Let's stand together. Turn to page 223. Page number 223, standing on the promises. We'll sing verses 1, 3, and 4 as we begin together tonight. Sing it out on the first. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises of Christ the Lord. Bound to him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the spirit sword, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises. God, standing on the promises I cannot fall, listening every moment to the Spirit's call, resting in my Savior as my all in all, standing on the promises of God, standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, Standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Amen. Great start tonight. That's a blessing. Well, if you're standing on the promises, say amen tonight. Amen. That's a blessing. We're sure thankful we have we have the word of God we can hold to in this whole crazy world. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Trust you had a wonderful afternoon and looking forward to tonight as we get into the kings and the prophets. And so let's pray tonight and ask the Lord's blessing on our services. I'm going to ask Brother Steve Parker if you would open us in prayer tonight. Amen. What a blessing. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? And I uh, did just want to mention a few things via announcements. Of course, we do have uh, quite a busy uh, week here uh, coming up. Uh, if you have uh, young people in the teen uh, group or the teen class uh, tonight, there is a Sunday school activity right after the church. I think it's a, a restaurant uh, takeover, and so make sure that you're aware of that. And then, of course, this coming Friday, is a youth rally at First Baptist Church up in Mission, uh, Kansas. Pray for Brother Eric Watson. He's going to be preaching 
uh, that, and uh, so and looking forward to our young people heading uh, to that. And then, of course, this coming Saturday is our churchwide outreach, and that is at 1030 uh, in the morning. And then uh, next uh, Sunday, looking forward to having our Thanksgiving uh, banquet that we have every year. And so our morning times are all going to be uh, our normal times. We'll have our men's prayer, our buses, uh, our Sunday school uh, class, and then, of course, our morning service, our Sunday school, our adult uh, Sunday school classes will be combined, and Brother Cody Watson, that's out of our church and training for the ministry at Heartland Baptist Bible College, he is going to be here and fulfilling a commitment for one of his classes where he has to preach out, and so he's going to be here teaching our Sunday school class, but we're going to let him preach, amen, and uh, I believe it'll be a blessing uh, to you. And then, of course, Brother Frank Wood, a uh, longtime pastor there at Whittier Lane Baptist Church in Indiana, and just a dear friend, he's going to be here with us and preaching uh, Sunday morning, and then we'll go over and have uh, lunch in the E.J. Watson Gymnasium, and then we'll come back and have an afternoon service where we all try to keep each other awake, amen, uh, after eating a bunch of turkey and, and ham and things like that, and so there'll be no evening service that night, so it'll be a morning service and an afternoon service, and so bring a covered dish and, uh, you know, desserts and all that stuff. We are going to do some turkeys and some hams, and so we've got kind of things lined out uh, for that. And so just want to ask if folks would bring side dishes and, and desserts and, and things like that, and then all of that stuff will be taken care of. I do have an announcement uh, tonight that I wanted to let the church know about. Of course, our fellowship hall, we've been remodeling that since the flood, uh, the, the flood on Christmas of last year, and so uh, we had a pipe burst and things like that. And so uh, it's, we've kind of been um, uh, working on the kitchen part of it, and so our cabinets uh, have, have already been ordered, and they are supposed to be here, Lord willing, tomorrow. And they're going to be uh, put in, uh, Lord willing, Tuesday, and then hopefully by the end of the week we'll have kitchens, countertops, maybe some backsplash and, and all of that stuff. And, so, and the appliances are already here. We've just got to set them up and stuff like that. So long story short... Lord willing, for the Thanksgiving banquet, our goal is to actually have a kitchen for our Thanksgiving banquet. Amen. And so uh, you, you can bring your food and put it in the oven at your own risk. All right. So, <clears throat> but we actually will have two ovens. Glory. Hallelujah. So listen, you got to improve. Amen. You got to take it up a notch. All right. So did I uh, want to mention those things. Uh, and then, of course, don't forget about the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, our midweek service is going to be moved from Wednesday night uh, to Tuesday night, November the 21st. It'll be at the same time, 7 o'clock. Uh, but we always do that every year just to give people time to travel and things like that if they, if they need to or, or to cook, however you want to do it. Amen. Uh, but uh, anyways, we're going to move it to Tuesday night, uh, November the 21st. Bring a testimony. Amen. And if you've got a testimony and want to praise the Lord, we'll certainly take that at that time. Uh, November the 23rd and 24th, which is Thursday and Friday of thanks, the Thanksgiving holiday, the church offices will be closed. And then November the 26th, which is the Sunday after Thanksgiving, our missionary to England, Brother Tom Gritz and his wife, is going to be here. And so he'll be reporting in the Sunday school uh, and then preaching in the evening service that night. So looking forward to that uh, as well. Okay, Brother Eric, come on ahead, come on. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ tonight? Amen. Page 179. Let's stand. The blood will never lose its power. We'll sing both verses tonight. Page number 179. <clears throat> sing out on that first. 
Somebody say amen tonight. Praise the Lord for his precious blood that he shed for us. That's Brother Ethan Whitney. Would you pray for the tithes and offerings tonight, please? And you may be seated tonight. saved tonight, say amen. Wasn't that a happy day? Amen. Let's stand. Turn to page 292. Page number 292. Oh, happy day. We'll sing all four verses for our last song together tonight. Oh, happy day that fixed my choice on thee, my Savior and my God. Well, may this glowing heart rejoice and tell its raptures all abroad. Happy day day when Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. Oh, happy bond that seals my vows to him who met. 
all my love. Let cheerful anthems fill this house while to that sacred shrine I move. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. Tis done the great transactions done. I am my Lord's and he is mine. He drew me and I followed on, charmed to confess the voice divine. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. Now rest my long, divided heart, fixed on this blissful center rest. Nor ever from my Lord depart, with him of every good possessed. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. He taught me how to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. Amen. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, it could be a happy day today. Amen. If you were saved tonight, amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Wonderful singing. This time, right before the message, we're going to have the Quinlan family come and sing tonight.
Amen. Amen. Well, he certainly deserves our best, doesn't he? What a blessing uh, that was. Well, it's sure good to be in God's house. Amen. And uh, thankful for this morning. I was still uh, was driving in uh, tonight and still kind of relishing in, in uh, the message uh, this morning. I'm, I'm thankful God puts uh, testimonies like Zacharias and, and the struggle that he had with unbelief. And thankful that he puts things like that in the Bible. Amen. And uh, we find out people in the Bible aren't perfect. They're people of like passions like we are. Amen. And, and just have battles and, and things like that. And, and just a real blessing. Well, I want to invite you to take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to 1 Samuel and chapter uh, number 5. And, and don't stand uh, just yet because I did just want to kind of <clears throat> remind us of, of some things here. And, and certainly a lot of what's going to be taken tonight uh, will be taken uh, kind of with the idea that, that uh, you know, some of the things that we hit on uh, last week as we've been going through the kings and, and the prophets. We just started that. We've started... In 1 Samuel, we know this, that the focus comes on Samuel. Uh, Samuel is going to be the last judge and, and the first prophet that's going to anoint the, the first two kings of Israel, uh, Saul and then, of course, uh, David, a man after God's own heart. But we also know this, that the reason God would bring Samuel into the room of being a prophet is because Eli was the priest at that time, and was a very, uh, if I could say it like this, apathetic uh, man and was not leading his home and, and even the nation of Israel in a spiritual manner uh, at the time. And so really what we saw in chapter number 4 was this, Ichabod. Alright, and that's when, you understand, that's when the sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were slain. That was because of the judgment that God had, had put on uh, the life of Eli and his household. We know that 30,000 of the Israelite troops were also slain as they lost the battle uh, with the Philistines. And then on top of that, the Ark of the Covenant of God uh, was taken and we saw everything that that represented. It represents the presence and the power of God and we know that in the New Testament we can now have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And that is how we can have the presence and the power of God. But then on top of all of that, after hearing all of that, Eli, Eli hears all of that news. His sons have been slain. The ark has been stolen. And he fell off the wall and ended up dying because of that. And then when his daughter-in-law was giving birth to uh, his grandson, uh, and dying in the midst of giving birth, she names her son, and rightly so, Ichabod, which means this, the glory of the Lord has departed. Listen, when all of this judgment, and all, you understand that the people of God and the nation of God, that was to be about the blessings of God. But now it's not about the blessings of God, it's about the judgment of God. The glory of the Lord has departed. That, that is the idea there. And so now, now we come to, to 1 Samuel in chapter number 5. All right. Now remember, the Philistines won the battle. They took the ark of the covenant of God. And so now they possess the ark. Now, now we're going to find out they don't want the ark. 
<laughs> so stand with me and turn to 1 Samuel in chapter number 5, and, and let's look here at what happens here. <coughs> 1 Samuel in chapter number 5. And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer, that's where the battle would happen there nearby, and unto Ashdod. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. Now, if you don't know who Dagon is, Dagon is the god of the Philistines, the false god. It's their idolatrous, uh, their, their idol that they had made and crafted. Now, look at verse number 3. And when, and when they of Ashdod arose early in the morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon, and they had to set him back up in his place again, bless his heart. Because here's why. Because Dagon can't do nothing. Dagon's a dead false god. See, God, nobody's got to set God up. Nobody's got to help God. You understand what I'm saying? Now look at verse number 4. And when they arose early on the morrow morning, since they didn't get the message... Behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord. And the head of Dagon and the, and the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Now that's awesome right there. And so, now listen, I don't know what happened. All I can think of is that they got some duct tape. Got him back up. <laughs> Look at verse number 5. Therefore neither the priests of Dagon, nor any that come into the house of Dagon, tread on the threshold of Dagon and Ashdod unto this day. Now, now watch this. But the hand of the Lord was heavy upon them. Was heavy upon them of Ashdod. And He destroyed them and smote them with emrods, even Ashdod and the coast thereof. And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of the God of Israel shall not abide with us, for his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God with a little g. So, verse number 8, They sent therefore and gathered all the lords of the Philistines unto them and said, What shall we do with the ark of the, of the God of Israel? And they answered, let the ark of God be carried about unto Gath. Send it to our cousins that we don't like very much. And notice what happens. And they carried the ark of the God of Israel about thither. And it was so that after they had carried it about, the hand of the Lord was, was against the city with a very great destruction. And He smote the men of the city, both small and great, and they had emrods in their secret parts. Now in the Hebrew, that means that there are no no parts. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Look at verse number 10. Therefore they sent the ark of the God to Ekron. Oh yeah, we got these other people. They're, they're the black sheep of the family. Let's send it to them. Alright, and it came to pass as the ark of God came to Ekron that the Ekronites cried out, wait, wait a minute, we saw this on Facebook. <laughs> and they're saying, they have brought about the ark of the God of Israel to us to slay us. 
and our people. They're figuring out what's going on. News travels fast in the Old Testament, doesn't it? It's like it does everywhere else. So they sent and gathered together all the lords of the Philistines and said, Send away the ark of the God of Israel and let it go again to his own place that it slay us not and our people. For there, for there was a deadly destruction throughout all the city. The hand of God, watch this, was very heavy there. And the men that, and the men that died not were smitten with the emrods. Mercy. The emrods. And the cry of the city went up to, to heaven. So I mentioned the title this morning. Here's what we're going to look at tonight. Down goes Dagon. Amen. Down goes Dagon. Now, and I, and I, and I love this. And, I, and I, we, I think we ought to magnify our great God tonight because that's what He's doing to Himself right here. But here's, the, but here's what I, I subtitled it tonight. I subtitled it this to show us how this applies to us. And I want you to listen to this tonight. The hardships of, the hardships of idolatry. The hardships of idolatry. Did you notice? I mean, in the first five verses, it's awesome because Dagon, he's, it's a, you know, it's great. But when you pick up in verse number six, where God begins to judge the people and God begins to deal with the people, did you notice from verses, from verses six all the way through 12, be in fact, it's mentioned in verse six, in verse seven, in verse nine, verse 11, there's this constant theme. The hand of the Lord was very heavy. It was very heavy uh, upon them. Because, well, listen, listen to this, whether, you're in, whether you are an Israelite or a Philistine or, or, or you're here tonight, it's hard when you live under idols. It's, it's hard. It's hard when you live under idols instead of the living God. It's very hard. And that's what we're going to see tonight. Father, would you bless the preaching now, and I ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, tonight? I was trying to figure out how long ago this has been. I guess it's probably been uh, around three or four uh, years now, probably more like uh, four years uh, now. But we, our family at the time, and we have two dogs now, but back then we had, we had two dogs. We had, we had our great white, uh, our Pyrenees mix that we still have. But then we also had a black uh, lab that, that I had gotten. Uh, I wanted uh, for my birthday, I think it was, and and so we got uh, him, and so we had two dogs, and, and I can remember it was, on a, it was on a Wednesday night right before uh, church, and Taylor, our daughter Taylor was still here, Luke was still here, they were working on the buses, and so we were getting ready to come in early on a Wednesday night uh, so that they could get out, get on and, on the buses and, and, and help out, and I can remember when Taylor and Luke came out of the garage there, and, and the dogs uh, typically stayed in the basement. We've got, we, had a, we have a dog door. They can go in and out and things like that. Well, as Luke came out the garage door, uh, the door uh, into the garage out of our house, he, ac- he accidentally didn't, he didn't shut it all the way, and it kind of bounced back open, and he didn't catch it. Well, he didn't catch it, but the dogs caught it. And so by the time him and Taylor are coming out to the car and we're getting ready to load up and come to church, a black lab and a great white Pyrenees mix go pew right by me. And man, I mean, listen, they were like, freedom, woo, and they were gone. And so we jumped in, we were trying to whistle for them and things like that, but they were like, whatever, we're out. And, and so we jumped in the vehicles and we were driving down 
and trying to, uh, you know, chase them down in our neighborhood and get them back in. And they were gone, and we couldn't find them or anything like that. And, of course, now you've got, you, you know, we're, we're getting close to time. The buses are going to be leaving and all of this stuff. And so I just, I told the kids, I said, look, let's go on. We'll go on to church. They, they shouldn't get too far, and then we'll come back tonight, and hopefully we can find them. Hopefully they'll stay in the neighborhood, and then maybe if, if best case scenario, they wander back uh, to the house. And so uh, we, we came back from church that night, and we started looking. We couldn't. We rode through the neighborhood again. We were whistling and stuff like that. We couldn't find them anywhere. Then come to find out, somebody had posted on Facebook that they saw a, a black lab had gotten uh, hit by a car. And so we went out uh, to where they said it was, and sure enough, that was, that, was where, uh, one, that was one of our dogs. That was Sam. But we still couldn't find uh, Finn, uh, our, our great, great white uh, Pyrenees mix. And so we, we kept on looking that night. We went late into the night. We finally gave up, and, and I said, look, let's go to bed. We'll look for him the next day. And so the next day, uh, me and uh, Luke, we went down. We got uh, the, the black lab. And I uh, went and buried him. I always say this, my son Luke, he earned his man card that day, amen. And uh, it's tough when you got to bury your dog, right? And, uh, you know, because it's, if it's a cat, that's whatever, but a dog, amen. You, <clears throat> so anyways, but, you know, we did all of that. We kept looking for Finn and, and trying to find him. And, and that after, we still couldn't find him. And that afternoon, uh, Taylor, our daughter Taylor's friend uh, from Springfield was coming up. I think it was, was it Amelia? And... And so she was meeting uh, Miss Sarah, Amelia's mom, and they were going to pick Amelia up. And they were coming back to the house, and they said, you know what, let's go down to the second exit in Gardner, and we'll come back through, and we'll just kind of look for Finn one more time. And they're driving, they're going down, down the interstate, and all of a sudden Taylor yells out, there's Finn! And come to find out, this crazy dog was sitting over off the interstate, just sitting out in the tall grass, and he's just sitting there watching the cars go by. There, there was Finn, right, right there. But this, this is what is crazy, and I want you to listen to this tonight. Taylor has the worst vision of all of our kids. I mean, and I'm serious, and I, I mean, this, this is the kid... We had to, she had to have vision therapy when she was a little, when she was a little girl. We had to drive to Springfield, I think like once or twice a week there for several months so she could get these therapy sessions and things like this. I can, I can remember Natalie said we were coming back into Cassville one time and we were driving past this field and Taylor, after several sessions, she looks over and she goes, oh, that's cows out there. She thought it was like trees or bushes or something. It was cows. That's why they weren't in the same place every time she... Anyway. You, you, you understand what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this. Out of all the kids to see the dog, I, I, would have never, I would have never expected Taylor to be the one that goes, Oh, there's Finn over there. Nobody else caught it. What I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this. I want you to listen to this. That which we value the least is really the most necessary thing we need in our life. It's oftentimes that way. And what I'm trying to get across tonight is this. That's exactly what Israel did with our God. Where they thought the ark of God would bring them victory, it was really the God of the ark that they needed the most. You understand? And God is going to demonstrate that in chapter number 5 with the Philistines. I want you to listen to this tonight. The problem wasn't the ark. 
It's not the ark. The problem was how Israel had treated the ark. To them, it had become an idol. It had become a good luck charm, a religious trinket, if you will. But now they're going to see that what they really needed in order to have victory was what the ark represented, which was the presence and the power of God in their lives and among the people. And folks, I'm telling you tonight, it's the same with us. And please, please, please get this tonight. Don't, don't make the mistake that we don't have idols in our lives. We, we very much do. Listen, we may not bow down to the false gods of Dagon and the stone and the wooden carvings, but make no mistake, my friend, there are a multitude of things that people put before God in our day and time. And when you put something before God, you have made an idol out of it. Whether it be a sports team, or, or, a, or, 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 a, or a, a person, or a, listen, it do, doesn't matter. You put something before God, you've made an idol out of it. And what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, is that the answer to our lives, it's not idolatry. It's not the religious trinkets. It's not, it's not the temporal idols of this world where you and I are going to find comfort, where we're going to find peace, where we're going to find satisfaction and joy and even direction and, and grace in our lives. Ultimately, what we need tonight is to humble ourselves and to seek and pray and, and get in the face of God and be in His presence and have His power on our lives. My friend, that, that's, what, that's what brings you peace. That's what brings you the strength that you need to keep going for Him. And ultimately, that's what chapter 5 is all about. This is, what I, this is the way I put it. You know what the message is right here? Here's what the message is. God doesn't need anyone. He's demonstrating that right here. He doesn't, listen, He doesn't need Israel to psych themselves up in the flesh to, to destroy the Philistine. God's going to take care of that on His own. God doesn't, listen to me, God doesn't need us tonight, but we sure need Him. And that's ultimately what chapter 5 is, is all about. Let, let me give you... Just, just two things tonight. I told my wife, I said I had 14 pages of notes this morning. I got seven tonight. And she said, yeah, but you always say that don't mean anything. And you're right. But I want you to see, number one, I want you to see the superiority of God versus Dagon. All right? Because really that's what the first five verses are, are all about right here. Look, look at verse number one and two. It says, And the Philistines took the ark of God, and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by uh, Dagon. And so this is what I wrote here. Where Israel treated ark, the ark like a good luck charm, the Philistines are going to treat it like a trophy. They take it back to Ashdod. And they set it up in the house of Dagon their false god. Now, if you don't know anything about Dagon, I mentioned this last week, but Dagon literally means this, fish god. It is the fish god deity of the Philistines. And the best that I can make out is that it's, it's the bottom half of it, from the study that I've done, the bottom half of it is like a fish, like a fish tail with scales and all of that. But then the upper half of it is a man. It's like the little merman. <laughs> Not the little mermaid, the little merman. Don't get me started. We could sing tonight. Okay. 
Let's, let's move on. I got way too much liberty tonight. Verse number three. <laughs> and when they, <laughs> when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord, and they took Dagon and set him in his place again. So verse 3 right here is where things get interesting. So the next morning, all right, now watch this. Dagon is found fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. Now watch this. This portrays, all right, so this is the idea of Dagon actually worshiping and giving glory to Jehovah God. I like that it's the Ark of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, right? Jehovah God right there. So, but that's the idea. Now, now here's the thing, all right? So you got to understand this. Had this been circumstantial, right? Dagon could have fallen a multitude of different ways. He could have fallen backwards or what, whatever the case may be. But I'm just telling you, he fell bowing before the Ark of God because this wasn't circumstantial at all. This was God making it a point that He is superior to Dagon. Listen, the Philistines may have won the battle, but God is still greater than everything. All right? And, and so, here's, so, so this, this, is, this is, I'm just telling you, this, this is what's happening. What is sad, what is sad and, I, and I wrote this down in my notes, listen to this. What is sad is that this idol knows how to truly worship God, yet a lot of God's people in our day and time don't. Did you ever think about that? That, 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 you know, this, this is the worship of God today, swaying to their carnality and wicked music. This Dagon, here's what Dagon, that, that's worship to God right there. Anybody? I'm telling you, well, you know, preacher, we're just here to worship tonight. Really? Do you worship? Well, why did it get so quiet in here? Do we really worship the Lord? Do we really worship the Lord in our personal life? Are we getting on our faces before God and, and glorifying Him? That, that's, I mean, listen, Dagon, the, this little stone carving is doing that. Son, I'm, I'm just telling you. But now let's move on because it's getting a little too quiet in here and we're starting to meddle, right? Look at verse number 4. It says, And when they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon, and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left uh, to him. It's almost like God said, you could still eat fish. So, so here's the thing. So at the end of verse number 3, they set him back up. They set Dagon back up. However, the next day he has fallen before the ark of, again, worshiping or giving glory to the Lord. But, but again, this time, so it says his head was cut off and his hands uh, were, were off uh, as well and on the threshold. And, and so, you know, it's on the threshold of the door. And, and it's almost like he was trying to get out of there. And, and so, but, but, but because the hands were, were on the threshold... It goes on down in verse number 5 and tells us that the Philistines made it a tradition then to not step on the threshold uh, there because that's where Dagon touched. And so you don't touch that, you step, you step over that. And I think, mercy, what a crazy bunch of nonsense right there. All right? But here's, here's the thing. Where the first instance showed Dagon worshiping God, 
This shows him lifeless before God. When you cut the head off something, it's dead. And, and, and you understand, the hands broken off, symbolize, it symbolizes this. Listen to this. Dagon can't do any works. Dagon can't set himself back up. He's got to have his people do that. His head off symbolizes that he cannot see, he cannot hear, he cannot speak, he does not know our mind, our thoughts, our needs, or anything. He is dead. He is an idol. He is dead. He is made from man's own hands and man's imagination. That's what it symbolizes here. You know what? This is what I wrote down. I think there's there's two things that I would point out right here from this scene. The first one is this. This scene shows us that the greatest need in a person's life is a personal relationship with the God of heaven and earth. Well, why do you say? Well, really, the reality is this is symbolized by by both the Philistines and the Israelites. Listen to this. Had the ark alone been enough, this would have never happened. Right? Had the ark alone been enough, this would have never happened. Israel would have won the battle and still been in possession of it, but they lost because they they were not right with God. The ark had become their good luck charm, but then when faced with Dagon, God shows that He is greater than any idol or false god that man comes up with. It doesn't matter. And, And so here's the thing tonight, that what man needs is not more idols. He doesn't need religious trinkets. Man needs to know that there is a God in heaven. It's the God of the Bible and that he can know God personally. That's what man needs in his life tonight. Listen, there's no rosary beads that are going to save you tonight. There's no crucifixes that are going to save you tonight. There's no religious trinkets that are going to make you right with God tonight. There's none of those things. You must come to Jesus Christ with repentance toward God and faith in Him. And it's only through His blood that man can be forgiven of his sin and have a home in heaven. And that's the way that you and I know God personally. But, but you also understand this, that when it comes to our day, also things like this, being successful in, in business or having money or possessions of, of great material gain, that doesn't make you right with God either. Listen, when you and I stand before God, it's not going to be how much money did you have in your 401k? What size house did you live in? How good was your kids at sports? None of that stuff is going to matter. What's going to matter is whether or not you know Christ is your Savior. Has there been a time and place where you got on your face and realized you're a sinner on your way to hell, but Jesus came and died for you and rose again the third day, and that if you'll call out to Him, you can be saved. When has that happened? If it hasn't happened, it needs to happen tonight. You need to know Christ is your Savior. Listen, God right here shows us He is God. And we need to know Him personally. And the only way to do that is to come through His Son, Jesus Christ, which is what He has declared in His Word. And I'm just listening. It's like like Jesus said... In Matthew 7, in verses 21 through 23, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. The difference wasn't what they did. It was whether or not he knew them. I, uh, I've told, I told this story a while back after we got back from Italy. But I, I can re- I remember when we went we went uh, we went the second time into Rome, and the second time that we were into Rome, we wanted to see a lot of the a lot of the stuff. The first time we saw the Colosseum and and a lot of those a lot of the architecture and things like that. But we wanted to come back and we wanted to see the places where where it was believed the Apostle Paul was beheaded, and and Peter and and things like that. And and so and so we went back, even though Peter was in Babylon. But anyways, uh, we went back, and I and I. Anyways, we went back and we toured St. Peter's Basilica, and I remember this. I, we we actually took a picture of this, but there was a door on the basilica. There was a sealed door, and the lady that was giving us the tour and stuff, she said this. She said, she said every jubilee, every fifty years, the Pope comes and opens up the door and unseals the door. And so the people started saying, well, then if we come and we touch the door, then all our sins will be cleansed. And I was th- this is what I was thinking. That's like, Dagon, that's like Dagon touching the threshold. And all the people make an idol out of the threshold because Dagon touched it. Oh, well, we, we got to step over the threshold now when we come in. I'm thinking I'm going into my house tonight and I'm stepping all over my threshold and walking. That, that's... That's silly. That's made up nonsense of men. And I, and I can remember her doing that and Natalie and I were standing there and we were just like, oh, that's heartbreaking. And this is what I started humming to myself and singing to myself. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I should have belted it out, but I didn't want to start a religious war, right? And get arrested in the Vatican and never be able to get out. I'd still be in jail, amen, amen. I put me in the Maritime uh, Mamertine prison with old, where Paul was at. Amen. Glory, hallelujah. But you understand, listen, it, I'm telling you, that, that, the, the greatest, you, you understand tonight, the greatest need for man tonight is to know God personally, and that's only found through Jesus Christ. It's not found through idolatry. But here's the other thing. If you're saved tonight, the greatest need in your life and in mine is to be consistently in the presence and in the power of God. And, 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 and I'm just telling you, that is definitely symbolized by what's going on here. This is ultimately what Israel needed. And you got to think about this. Come on now, put your thinking caps on here and think about this. But we got to be reminded that though the ark is with the Philistines right now, please catch this, Samuel is being allowed to record what happens here. Why, why do you think that is? So that Israel could get the message that it's not about the ark of God, it's about the God of the ark. And that what they need if they're going to have victory is not some religious good luck charm, but rather it's to get on their face and learn to walk with God and be in His presence and in His power because ultimately that's what's going to bring them victory in their life. And my friend, it's no different with us. 
That, that's exactly what we need. And I, I'm just telling you tonight, I'm just, I'm just telling you how, how often in my life, in my life, for me, I have sought peace or comfort or maybe even as far as things like wisdom and direction and I've sought it through temporal things. But you know what? It only leads to just that, temporal. And, and, and listen, and then, and then when it's finally when I get to the end of myself and I go in my prayer closet and I get before my great God in heaven and I pray and I look to Him and I get right with Him and I get in His presence in my life and then that's when I, and then that's when I walk out of the prayer closet and go, why didn't I start there? And I'm just saying to you tonight, friend, that, that's our greatest, that is, one, that is our greatest need tonight as children of God, to be consistently walking in His presence and in His power. And in order to do that, my friend, you and I are going to have to turn away from the temporal idols of, of this world. Now, let me give you the second thing tonight, and, and we'll finish this thing up. Notice, not, not only do you see the, the superiority of God versus Dagon, but then you begin to see the strain of God Upon the, upon the people here, beginning in verse number 6. So notice down in verse number 6, it says, But the hand of the Lord was, was heavy upon them of Ashdod, and He destroyed them and smote them with emrods, even Ashdod and the coast uh, thereof. So beginning in here in verse number 6, all right, the judgment of God moves beyond the house of Dagon. The people of Ashdod, it says, begin to die. It also says some are smote with emrods. Emrods are boils or ulcers. And we already read, but down at the end of verse number 9, it says they had emrods in their secret parts. That tells us where they were at on their bodies. Alright? And so, but, but notice verses 7 and 8 again. It says, And when the men of Ashdod saw that it was so, they said, The ark of God, the ark of the God of Israel shall not abide with us, for his hand is sore upon us and upon Dagon our God. And so they sent therefore and gathered the lords of the Philistines unto them and said, What shall we do with the ark of the God of Israel? They answered, Let the ark of the God, let the ark of, of the God of Israel be carried about unto Gath, and they carried the ark of God, uh, carried the ark of the God of Israel about thither. And so the ark is moved from Ashdod to Gath. And in Gath, what's going to happen is the very same thing. And so guess what Gath's going to do? Let's send it to Ekron. And guess what's going to happen in Ekron? The very same thing. And then they finally decide at the end of the chapter, listen, Ashdod doesn't want it. Gath doesn't want it. We definitely don't want it. Let's just send this thing back to Israel. And that's actually what's going to happen in chapter number 6, and we're going to see who wants to be a milk cow. You know what they were saying? They were saying this, you know, this is just not a tro trophy worth keeping. As I already mentioned, the second half is characterized by the word heavy. The Lord's hand was heavy upon them. The word heavy here means this, burdensome. Burdensome. Really, ultimately, it shows us what happens when we choose to live a life apart from God. Or even a life apart from His presence and His power as His children in our lives. 
I'm going to tell you something tonight, and I want you to listen to this. Uh, listen, you, you understand for the lost, this life is burdensome. The sad reality is this is the best it's going to get, and that's not saying much if you're lost tonight. I've heard, I've heard this said, and I've even said it myself. I don't know how people live without the Lord. But you know the reality is they do. But I'm going to tell you something tonight. It's burdensome. Listen to this. It's burdensome to live in some religious cult that requires works for salvation. It's burdensome. It's burdensome to depend on trinkets and good luck charms and you do all these things and you never experience the true peace and forgiveness of knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's burdensome. It's like the ark moved from city to city and people move from religions to religions looking for what really only Jesus Christ can give them. But until you come to Christ, the way that He said in His Word, I'm just telling you tonight, listen to this, it's just more emeralds. It's really what it is. It's burdensome, it's miserable, but if we'll humble ourselves and come to Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, He can save us. It amazes me when people get saved and they look up and they go, Phew. it's like, you know why? Because all that burden of sin has come off. I remember when my wife got saved and the next night at the outdoor revival meeting, everybody's walking around and coming up to Natalie going, how'd you sleep last night? How'd you sleep last night? You know why? Because when you get saved, you sleep good. Because all that sin and all that burden and all that stuff lifted off your shoulders. And you have peace with God. And I don't know how many times I've seen it where people pray and trust Christ as their Savior. And then they look up at me and go, wow. And just total relief on their face. Why? Because when you do it God's way, there's finally peace. And there's finally relief. But I'm going to tell you something tonight. It's also burdensome to live for the things of this world. And to look for peace and satisfaction in the material gain of this world. And then going through the difficulties of life without God. Because whether you're saved or lost, the difficulties are going to come. And all the while we move from thing after thing after thing. Like the ark. And now listen, we go from this house to this house. Or this vehicle to this vehicle. Or this hobby to this hobby. This is what's going to make me happy. This is what's going to make me happy. This is what's going to make me happy. No, what ultimately is going to give your soul the satisfaction that it needs is knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'm just telling you, I've known people like this. They have everything on the outside yet completely empty on the inside because a life without God is burdensome. But I'm going to tell you something tonight. If you're saved tonight, and I've been, listen, this is the Sunday night crowd. I realize probably most are that are here tonight. But you need to listen to this. It can be burdensome too when we fail to truly walk in God's presence and power, but instead we live for the things of this world. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John chapter number 5 tonight. And you can leave your place there in 1 Samuel chapter 5. And go to 1 John chapter 5 towards the end of the, end of the New Testament. First John chapter 5, and I want you to look at verse number 3. Here's what the Bible says. It says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. Now I want you to notice this phrase right here. And His commandments are not, what's that word? You know what that means? Heavy. 
burdensome. Jesus said this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So his commandments are not grievous. And then, now, now watch, keep going. Because it says, for whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So ultimately, here you got to get this. If you want to overcome the world and have victory, then you need to be saved and walk with God in His presence and in His power. Right? And you do that. Watch that. Watch this. You do that. Now watch this. By being in love with Him and obeying His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. Now now watch this. Loving God and keeping His commandments go hand in hand, just like His power and His presence. You can't have God's power without being in God's presence. Watch this. Nor can you love God apart from obedience. Well, you know, I just, I, listen, I, I just love God. Well, if you're not obeying God, you don't really love God. Because Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. See, we got a whole generation today that wants to talk about how much they love God, but yet they ultimately refuse to obey His commandments. Then you don't really love God. It's a false love. It's foolish. You're lying to yourself. You're deceiving yourself. Those two things go hand in hand. But watch this. But here's the thing. i got to move on. Here's the thing. His commandments, watch this. His commandments are not grievous when we love God. They're not grievous. But they do become grievous when we love the world. And all of a sudden we find ourselves becoming burdensome to be in church when the doors are open. It's burdensome to tithe. It's burdensome to serve. It's burdensome to spend time in the Word. It's burdensome to pray. Am I getting this? And the reason, listen, and the, re- and the reason is because we're too much in love with that when we ought to be in love with Him. And then, listen, and then on top of that, please listen to this, it just gets heavier. Because what happens is this, we're in love with that out there and we start living for that. It's burdensome when we come in here and hear stuff like this and get challenged on things like this. So we don't want to hear this. So we go out there and we live for that and then we find out this, that what we're living for out there really doesn't satisfy our souls. It doesn't lead to God's grace and God's blessings. And so here's the thing. Then, So therefore, we struggle in church because we love the world. But we struggle in the world because the idols that, that we're living for don't do for us what only God can, can really do. And so it's almost like this. It's almost like going from Ashdod to Ekron and to Ekron to Gath and Gath to Ekron and Ekron to Ashdod and it's this continual cycle of God's hand of heaviness on us all the time and we're just burdensome and miserable. When here's the Lord Jesus Christ over here going, you know, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
And all he's waiting on us to do is to humble ourselves and turn away from the things of the world and come back and fall in love with him and get right with him and begin to follow him in our lives and watch all of the burdens be lifted and restored into fellowship with God. And we can live for God and be filled with his presence and his power and have victory in our lives. And I've seen people like that. Just miserable. Miserable in church, miserable in life, just miserable. Eventually they quit church. And I've said stuff like this. I've said this too. I've said this. I don't know if you ever heard this. Well, just wait till they get to the bottom of the barrel and they'll finally look up. But I want you to listen to this tonight. I've seen people, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I've seen, I've watched people and I thought they're not ever going to hit the bottom of the barrel. In fact, I have watched people go all the way down the tubes to death. And death and misery and never get right with God. I'm just what, what, I'm, what I'm saying to you tonight is this. Please listen to this. The cycle right here of misery and burdensome, I'm telling you, is still happening among people today. Don't let this happen to you tonight. They're, they're, listen, listen to this. There's more to life than this, than this world. There's more to life than living for idols. There's more, there's more to life than being miserable. You, you can have joy unspeakable and full of glory, but you're not going to find it out there, friend. You're going to find it when you humble yourself and get right with God. Let's all, let's all stand tonight. Let's all stand tonight.